We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. draft day and we have nick whalen on site for the draft and he's calling in for a uh, emergency rotowire nba podcast uh with whalen live from the draft i'm i'm back at offices in madison wisconsin uh how are you doing nick how's everything going in new york uh well first of all sub um it's going well it's a very hot day here i got out got out a little early this morning, um, ate a chicken cheesesteak, which was phenomenal. Uh, did some shopping at uh, a giant Forever 21 and a very large H&M, two of my favorite stores to shop. So I was glad to do that. Um, but pretty much from here on out, it's going to be all NBA draft. Um, out here, we're about five hours from the start of the draft. Although, I think last year, I, I looked this up, the first pick was made at 7.37 Eastern time. And this year, I'm sure you've seen this, the league is now going to do like pre-draft intros, more or less, for all the guys who are in the green room. So I know there are 20 players invited. I think like 18 or 19 are expected to be there. A couple of guys. I know Robert Williams is going to be watching back home uh, in Shreveport with some family. And I think one or two other guys might be something similar. But basically, there's going to be at least like 15 or 16 
uh, players in the green room. And before the draft, they're going to walk on stage with two family members and be introduced. I don't know if they're going to give like a little 30-second monologue or something like that, or if it's just going to be like a high school graduation type of setup. Uh, but my guess, I don't, know, I don't even know if this is going to be televised, but my guess is that with the draft, quote-unquote, starting at 7, we might not even get the first pick until like close to 8 o'clock. Yeah, it sounds sounds like an awful addition to me. Uh, I don't really yeah. need any of the pomp and circumstance. Like, I don't even like the like ninety second like hip hop song that begins each draft that they like film in the subways of New York City. Uh, I, I just, oh god, yeah, you're right. I just want them to go straight to like Adam Silver walking up to the mic, you know, introducing the draft. And then, like, let's get that let's get that first pick announced at six ten or six twelve. Uh, I don't. I definitely don't need the because there's going to be what like an hour long pre draft thing on ESPN anyways before six, and then I they're going to do like a four or five hour show this year. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna take like five or six hours. So uh, that that sounds awful. Sounds terrible. I. I'm going to try to tune in what? as late as possible without without missing any of the actual picks. What if they had like a celebrity host the draft? You know, like they do with an award show. Like I think in this scenario, you would want like Nick Offerman basically hosting the draft as well as Ron Swanson. He would just go up there at exactly 7 p.m. Eastern, no nonsense, announce announce each pick. It would take like five seconds each, and the draft would be over in about an hour and a half. Well, I feel like we're three or four years away from them you know having like kendrick lamar do a song after every three picks mm-hmm. and just like uh we might only be like <laughs> one or two years away from that <laughs> like the first two picks go then kendrick lamar performs a four-hour song <laughs> uh then we come back a couple more picks and then then another yeah um it's yep. not not too far in the distant future I, I do wonder too. This is the last point we'll make before we actually get into draft talk. I do wonder too if, like, at some point, maybe they'll merge like the NBA awards with the NBA draft. You know, instead of having this goofy award show, like I think it's next—is it this weekend? Next weekend? I don't know. I, nobody really knows, and nobody really cares because everyone knows for the most part who's going to win these awards. Um, so that would be one way. You know, I think ESPN is probably always looking to extend this night as long as they can, you know, you do five picks and then you announce the six man of the year. Then you do five more picks and you announce coach of the year, et cetera. I, I don't think that's completely off the table. Um, but anyway, ESPN uh, says that no picks will be tipped this year. I'm a little bit skeptical about that. I think they can kind of police their own guys. And that's part of, probably part of the reason that they brought Wojan. Um, Cause he's the guy who's obviously tipping most picks, but I don't know what ESPN can do. Like if, if Shams has a, you know, has the number two pick five minutes early, ESPN can't really prevent him from tweeting that out, right? I wouldn't think so. Maybe they have somehow made it worth his while to to not do that. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's Woj is definitely the guy that was sort of blazing that trail in the past. So having him not tip any of the picks will probably go a long way. But yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the top reporters could still probably beat. Uh, those picks, you know, if, if they wanted to, I mean, that it's kind of, I think it's pretty easy if you have, if you know the right agents to, to know those picks a, a few minutes before mm-hmm. ESPN announces them. But um, I don't really care about like, I, you might be one of those guys that always has just Twitter open the entire time. I kind of like just treat it like a yeah. full, uh, you know, viewer experience where I, I kind of shut down mm-hmm. Twitter and just watch the show. I don't, 
I don't really like finding out ahead of time. Um, so I, it, it's not mm-hmm. really an issue for me, but no, I, I don't like finding out ahead of time either, but I do like to keep Twitter open for like trade talk because if you watch the draft live, um, that's, that's NBA, true. Like yeah. everyone, I was, some podcast was talking about this earlier this week, um, where it's like, you know, everyone knows a half hour in advance that Jimmy Butler is being traded or something like that. And the pick is included. And then Adam Silver walks up there and announces that a player is being drafted by Minnesota when everyone else knows that guy's actually not playing for Minnesota. It just creates this weird, confusing announcement. Uh, well, one thing, speaking of Twitter, that we need to get to now before we go pick by pick, Chris Haynes uh, of ESPN just tweeted out, Dwight Howard and the Nets will negotiate a buyout. So Dwight Howard will become a free agent. Yeah, that actually sort of seemed inevitable. I wasn't sure when they were going to do that, but... Uh, why Why would you give Dwight Howard any minutes when you have a guy like Jared Allen who you're trying to develop? So that that, that seemed kind of inevitable to me. No, I agree. Um, it's just going to be a, a fairly hefty buyout, you would think. Um, the question now is, like, people are already joking about this. This came across, like, three minutes ago. It's like, would Dwight take, like, a significant pay cut to go play for a Golden State? Or like, has he reached like ring chasing status at this point? I don't think the teams going for those rings would want to risk bringing him into the locker room. So I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that he might I mean, be willing to do that. I just don't think that like because he's not he's like the least cool player in NBA history. He's not like such a terrible uh, guy that himself. like. He's just one of those like like we all have coworkers like this where it's just like it's not like the person's a bad guy. It's like I just hate being around this guy because he's so corny. He's so right. he's so lame. Like he just kind of puts me in a bad mood because of how big of a loser he is. And that's how mm-hmm. I kind of feel about Dwight Howard. Like JaVale McGee, he's fun to have around. Like he's not right. he's, he's not he's not like pissing people off by just his general like horrible jokes and, and bad attitude right. and stuff like that. And if you're Golden Part State, like, I, I guarantee, like, Clay Thompson and, and KD and Steph, like, would go to Bob Myers and say, like, just don't, we don't want to deal with it. We'll, we'll win another title. Like, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't want to deal with Dwight Howard for 82 games. All right. Fair enough. My counterpoint to that is the Warriors signed a guy who said cocaine should be legal. Yeah, um, but he's fun to hang although, out with. Although Dwight, <laughs> right. True. True. Um, Dwight, I still. I'm still in shock. And, you know, maybe this will still happen before Dwight retires, but um, maybe one of the boldest claims by any rookie claiming that the NBA logo should include a cross and that he would fight to to get that included. Um, I'm not sure if that's been on the table in CBA negotiations. I think Dwight is losing quite a bit of leverage there. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I don't even know. It's tough to look team by team and be like, oh, they'd, they'd be a good fit for Dwight Howard. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's going to take a team that's like that's a little bit desperate and doesn't really have a lot of other options, which is basically what's been the story of Dwight's career for the last like three years. You know, I mean, it's, I'm thinking the team like a, I don't know, like a Washington. You know, that that's kind of unless they make a, a pretty serious trade, there's really not much they can do. Um, you know, teams like that. I mean, Dwight is still a very productive player. You know how I feel about him. Do you I'm think totally with you on the on the off court stuff and the locker room stuff, but. If he ever gets to the point that he can accept that he just needs to play more of like a DeAndre Jordan style, I think he's got a few more good years left. The question is, will he ever do that? As of now, doesn't seem all that likely. Do you think a 
you know, teams like the Bucks or the Pacers would make any sense as just teams that like oh, aren't, yeah. that mean, aren't going to get free agents. The the typical like high level free agents that teams with that caliber of young talent would typically attract. I mean, it's all it's all going to come down to like what type of discount the White's willing to take, and it's really hard to even say what a discount for him is right now because the deal that he's getting bought out of was signed what two summers ago, I believe. Um, and, and at that point, you know, his value was certainly depressed from where it was in like 2010. Um, but, it, but you know, he was still like considered, all right, if he finds the right spot, maybe he's still like decent. I think we're past that point. Like Dwight is like what he, what he is now that like, he's not getting any better. Clearly, you know, this is just kind of how it's going to play out. Um, so it depends like where, you know, if he can chase the biggest one year deal he can get somewhere in that case, it's probably going to be with a bad team. Or is he willing to go to a team like Milwaukee where if he plays the right way, you know, he could actually play a decent amount of minutes and in my opinion have a decent impact. Um, we'll see. I mean that Milwaukee's definitely in that same same conversation as a as a Washington, you know, as a team that doesn't have a ton of cap space, can't really do a whole lot, but might be willing for that for those reasons, you know, to take a chance on a player like Dwight, because if you don't bring him in, you know, any improvements that you're making are gonna be like on the extreme fringes of the roster. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's get into the draft. Um, are we are we set on eight and that one? Like everything is pointing to that. He himself has pointed to that, uh, and yet the Suns like won't officially confirm it. And you know, this isn't the NFL. Guys aren't being signed four days in advance of the draft. Um, but like, I mean, I'm I'm like ninety five percent sure it's going to be eight into the Suns at one. I'm almost one hundred percent sure eight is going one. The only other scenario I could see is is if Phoenix like does something crazy and trades the number one pick for Kawhi or something like that. Well, if they if if the Spurs had the number one pick, they would take Doncic. They wouldn't take Aiden. I I mean I'm I'm Fair. pretty confident in that. So I I think it's you know I'm I'm I think Doncic is in his own tier in this draft. So I'm. I guess I'm not going to rule him going one. I'm not going to rule that out until they announce Aiton's the number one pick. But uh, I think predicting that anyone other than Dayton or than Aiton's going to go one would just be kind of a contrarian move at this point. So I'm I'm fine just saying it's going to be Aiton and moving on. Mm-hmm. It would to me it would be too much of like a gigantic ruse by everyone for the Suns to like surprisingly pick Doncic or like Bagley or whoever it would be at one. It, it, I will. I don't. I don't see. I. I. I will say that I don't understand the logic of they're gonna take Aiton because Robert Sarver is a big Arizona booster. Like I don't get how I don't get how those two things are related. Like he he's a big booster well, for the college basketball the program. Owner, right. Well, he's the type of owner who would like force that. I think. I think for in most situations it would just be kind of a. A little, you know, a little side story. Whereas with him, it's like he might actually take that into extreme consideration when making a pick like this. If if DeAndre Ayton had led that Wildcat team to like the Final Four or something, I guess I could kind of yeah. go along with that. I just don't get what attachment he has to Ayton anymore. He doesn't play for Arizona anymore. He didn't lead that Arizona team to any kind of greatness or anything. I just, as someone who was rooting for that Arizona team. Like I don't have any attachment to DeAndre Ayton anymore. Okay, fair I, enough. I don't know. Um, I, I, that's I just I think that they're taking him for reasons that have nothing to do with where he went to school. Is is my 
take on this. No, I think so too. I I think that's just a coincidence. So, you know, he's not really from quote unquote Arizona. Um, I do I do think they kind of canceled it out by hiring Dodgers' old coach too. Where it's like, you know, if you're if you're only picking Aiden because you went to Arizona and your owner likes Arizona, then why did you go hire the other possible number one picks coach? So like to me, those two things just kind of. You know, I think the Dodgers' old coach being the head coach in Phoenix is probably a little bit bigger of a deal. Um, but at the same time, it's like you could kind of talk yourself into either of those, like, mini conspiracies. I, I think it's going to be eight. Uh, we can move on to two. All right. Are you uh, a part of this growing pack of people that thinks Marvin Bagley's going to? Uh, a couple of days ago, I would have said for sure, yeah. Um I don't know. I mean, it seemed it seemed as though they were that's like that's the message they wanted to convey at least was they really like Bagley and Bagley liked them, which you know if you're the Kings is like something you actually have to take into consideration. Um, but now it seems in the last like 24 or 48 hours that Dodgers just kind of reemerged as well, maybe not the favorite but like the co-favorite to go there, you know. And then you're hearing now that Atlanta's maybe starting to come around on him, and it's been such a weird evaluation period for Dodgers. Like, you know, I was watching the ESPN draft special last night before bed and you know, they said like no no European prospect has ever been scouted this intensely. And I think that's a really good point. Like, I don't even think it's all that close. You know, like how many like the average NBA fan knows who Luka Dodgers is. I think the average NBA fan knew who Porzingis was by draft night, but we you and I were not sitting around talking about Porzingis, you know, in last August or last September even, you know, it was really like January, February, March, where you started to hear about him. Like Dodgers has been on the radar for so long. And it, it feels like he's almost been like overscouted um, to the, to the point where, you know, we haven't other, other, other European players just haven't been visible enough, you know, to be scouted to this extent. And it seems like everybody was so high at Dodgers that then, you know, it, it kind of reached a point where we couldn't find any more positives and then people started to, to pick apart the, the negatives, but it doesn't seem likely now that he's going to fall out of the top three and it would be four at the absolute latest. Yeah. I, I'm saying the Kings take Doncic at two, uh, or, mm. or even kind of more broadly, I think Doncic goes to, I, whether the Kings trade that pick mm-hmm. or, or take Doncic, I think he goes to, I just, um, you know, I, I, regardless of whether he's given him given them his medicals like you know he of all the players in this draft he probably has the least amount of bias against Sacramento like he knows like you know growing up in in Europe it's not like he's been like right you know kind of around this this tire fire of a an organization for the past like 10 years like to him like so he might be naive enough Right, like to him, it's like Sacramento, Atlanta, Memphis. Like, what what should he separate those three teams by? Like, it's just three cities right. he's never been to, you know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I I think it's it's Doncic. I just think there's such a uh, gigantic gap in talent between him and and Bagley in terms of just talent that wins in the NBA. And uh, you know, I think that the there is that that one ringer story from a few days ago like you know the fact that we at least know that ownership and the front office like met with Doncic in Spain uh this month is relevant because i think 
you know, if they were if they were taking Bagley all the all the way, why go all the way over to Spain and and have dinner with with Luca? I, I think that that's right. something, and you know, I think Bagley is the one prospect that is open to going there, but not because it's Sacramento. He just wants to go as high in the draft as he can. Uh, so right. I I don't know. I I think that. You know, the Kings took a guy last year who wanted to go there in De'Aaron Fox, and uh, that's not looking like the greatest pick right now. So I, I think that they – this is the mm-hmm. one opportunity they have to really kind of turn their organization around and to just take a guy just because he wants to be there, to me, is just kind of a, a lazy argument. So I, I think it's don't just Right. No, I agree. Um, I mean, the Kings have missed the playoffs, what, 12 straight years? And that's resulted. I mean, like Demarcus Cousins obviously worked out. I think he went what, fourth or fifth. Uh, but this is their highest pick, maybe ever, or their highest pick certainly in in, uh, in this 12-year span. And like this definitely feels like their best opportunity to like, get a guy for the first time in a while. And like I think Cousins, to some degree, you know, fit that bill. But you never really felt. You know, even when he was at the peak of his encore powers, like, you never really felt like, all right, if they could just put the talent around him, this, this could be enough to make a run. Um, and certainly, Dodgers is that guy. I mean, Bagley to me, I'm, you, I know you and I are both a little bit lower on Bagley, but like, he could still be a very good player. I just don't see the ceiling of like, you know, best player on a really good playoff team. You know, he, he could maybe be the best player on like a 30-win team, but certainly not the best player on a 55-win team. Right. And I mean, the the Kings are so far from worrying about how good these guys are going to be in like a playoff setting that uh, that's probably less relevant for them than it is some of these other teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think they're the talent gap is just so huge. The fact that they got lucky enough to go up from seven to two, like passing on Doncic would just seem like it, it could go down as one of right. the worst mistakes, like in NBA history. And that's saying a lot, uh, <laughs> even for the Kings. So I'm until they announce that they're taking someone else, I'm just going to assume that cooler heads prevail and they take the best player available. So Yeah, no, I agree. So, yeah, like you said, jumping up from seven to two and then passing on like the obvious choice would be, would be a very king thing to do. Yes. Uh, so number three, you're uh, – well, so at two, are you just – if you have to make a call, are you saying they take Bagley or don't you? I think I hate to give the Kings any benefit of the doubt, but I think it's going to be Doncic. <laughs> yeah, it, I think I, I I know they don't know better, but I really want to believe <laughs> that they do. Yeah, it's like um, it's kind of like that Bucks Boston playoff series where it's like, man, I you know that they would the Bucks would really really have to screw this up to not win the series, but do I want to pick on them to not screw it up? Like I I don't know. Um, yeah, so all right, so if we just assume Aiton and Doncic are gone, then who are who are the Hawks taking at three? You know, I, I wrote the other day that we really haven't heard anything about Jaron Jackson or Wendell Carter over the last like month, which isn't really bad or good, I guess. You know, like Bamba seems to kind of be on the rise. You hear Bagley at Sacramento, obviously Doncic and Aiton have been talked about, but like Jaron Jackson is just held steady, you know, in that three to five range and I think most mock drafts that you read just kind of pencil them in at three. Um, and I'm not really sure. Like, you know, you haven't, you don't hear these reports that like the Hawks love Jared Jackson. I think they like him a lot. Um, he's just been, he's just been a, for a top three prospect. He's just been, a, it's been a very low key lead up to the draft. Um, and that, 
I think in some ways leads me to believe that he probably won't fall too much. Like we would be, you know, you'd be hearing about it if, if teams were starting to sell on him or prefer Bamba or Carter or whoever. Um, so it's no further notice. Like I, I think Atlanta should take Jan Jackson. You know, there's still these reports that they really like Trey Young. I, I am not, uh, you know, not of the belief that Trey Young is going to be a great NBA player, certainly not right away. The Hawks, of all teams, you know, aren't really looking to compete next year, so maybe that's something to take into consideration. But, like, if they're, if they're not going to take Jared Jackson, if they're not going to take Mo Bamba, um, and certainly Bagley will be a consideration there, if they really have their eye on a guard, and specifically Trey Young, I think they need to trade down. Um, but at that point, I don't know what team is trying to get up to three. It might have to be a team that really likes Jared Jackson or really likes Mo Bamba. I can't really see a team trading up to take Bagley at three or, or even all these teams that like Michael Porter, like trading up to three for Michael Porter to me would be a little extreme. Although I do like him and I think he'll be really good if, if he can stay healthy. I, I just, I think they take Jackson if he, if, mm-hmm. if it goes eight and don't I think they take Jackson just because, uh, you know, he, he's, a really nice fit next to John Collins. Not that they should be basing any of their picks around the guys on the roster because it's just not a good right. roster. But whoever, uh, whoever they take here instantly becomes the face of this rebuild. Like, I like John Collins, but whoever they get here yeah. is going to be the number one guy going forward. And it's it's kind of a crappy spot. If 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 Aiton and Doncic are gone, then they all of a sudden have this core of like Prince, Collins, and Jackson, where. I like Jackson as a prospect, but I, I would take the under on him making like four All Star teams. Like I, I think he's, I think he's just going to be a guy that's really good for a long time, and mm-hmm. is, you know, a guy that could definitely be a starter on a on a title team, but isn't going to be maybe even one of the three best players on a title team. Like I, I think he's just a overqualified role player, and that's kind of a uh, a tough. You know, it's it's a tough outcome if you're picking in the top three, but I mean, you really can't afford to take a guy that busts, and I I just don't I don't right. see Jackson busting. Yeah, I mean, I think that Atlanta's the type of team that, in all likelihood, no matter who they take here, they'll probably be picking in the top three again yes. next year. Um, so it's like in, in that regard, it's like I, I feel like they don't. I mean, every team picking in the top three has pressure, like obviously, but. To me, like they're on such a long-term rebuild track that, like, I wouldn't say they can afford to miss, but like they're going to be in the same situation next year regardless. But yeah, you, I mean, you just basically squandering in that situation uh, a top three pick and what should be a big-time asset going forward. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be Jackson as of now. We'll see. I mean, Atlanta has been a team that people have talked about maybe trading back and trying to pick up another pick or a future pick. You know, we'll see about that. I mean, there's certainly going to be, a, if Dodgers does fall, like if the Kings take Bagley and Dodgers is on the board at three, Atlanta's phone is going to be ripped off the hook. Oh, yeah. They, they are going to, well, see, I, I think that they would just jump on Doncic at three. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think should. I think three is the furthest Doncic can fall. Uh, but yep. it, it sounds like we're in agreement then one through three. Are we in agreement one through four? Who do you have the, the Grizzlies taking at four? Uh, man, this is, they're so tough. Like, they're the only lottery team that's really trying to play for next year, in my mind, or at least the only like top 10 team. Um, so, we're in, so we have Jackson going three. God, I, 
I mean, I, I really think in that situation they probably they probably go Bagley, um, and like for win now purposes, like Bagley, I'm not, I don't think he's the most NBA ready player in this draft, but like he he can at least contribute for them. And like they're, I feel like Memphis is going to let their short term plans like influence this pick maybe a little bit more uh, than they should because you look at the players that that played minutes for them at the forward spots last year, like Marcus Gasol was healthy pretty much all year. So he, you know, he was playing the five and then it was like to Michael green. Um, and Dylan Brooks was playing there in small ball lineups. You had Jarrell Martin, like they need help at the four badly. And, and I think Bagley just kind of feels like an obvious fit there, but I'm sure you saw the reports this morning, Jonathan Gavoni, ESPN, um, said that the Grizzlies are in discussions with, I think he named like seven teams to potentially trade out of number four. Uh, with the goal of you know picking up a, a pick a little bit later in the lottery, and then also dumping Chandler Parsons, right. um, <laughs> which to me, like obviously you don't want that Parsons contract, but like what exactly are the Grizzlies going to do with that vacant money? You know I don't know if maybe this is just like avoiding the tax or whatever, um, but it's, you know, it's not like you're going to go and like sign some marquee free agent. Right. I mean that they, they would be just kind of compounding a problem with a a bigger problem by not really mm-hmm. getting anything out of this. I mean, the number four pick in the draft is probably their best opportunity to get off of that Parsons contract, but it's also their best opportunity to add a third legitimate right. piece going forward. So uh, to, me, to me, that's more valuable adding, yeah. adding not only a third piece, but like a young piece yeah. more so than any team in the league have like not cultivated young talent whatsoever. You know, but they kind of did the same model that the Mavs have done, you know, before last year, basically, um, you know, just veterans, 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 we'll deal with it later. And, you know, this past season, everything kind of came crashing down. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of pressure from ownership for them to get back to the playoffs. So uh, I I think it's, I think it's Bagley almost, I'm I'm almost more confident in them taking Bagley if the draft goes as we have it one through three than I've been of any of these other picks. Uh, he just seems like uh, a decent basketball fit there uh, next to yep. Gasol, and then also he's you know of the guys that deserve to go in the top ten, he's probably the most ready to to help or at least put up numbers you know i mean i don't know if he's going to necessarily help them yeah. win but he's going to be able to score and he's going to be able to rebound so yeah uh but yeah i i definitely think that they it sounds like they want to just trade the pick and get out from parsons if if Doncic is gone uh which i would be fast it'd be fascinating to see just how the teams around the league value that parsons like how big of a negative that deal is just to kind of see what type of return they get back. Cause I don't, I don't think they're getting uh, a lot of the, the packages that were kind of r- rumored in that story just seem a little too lofty to me. Like, I don't, I don't think you're getting back another top 10 pick in that deal. Right. I, I think you're getting like a pick in the mid teens, maybe in that deal. Well, obviously it depends. I mean, like the, a couple of deals that, that are meant to get the piece is, you know, you would trade with Orlando. So you would give Orlando four. You get number six if you are Memphis. But then, the, like the thing with Parsons and like the way that the cap is right now, is like not there aren't just there's no nets out no. there that could just take on fifty million dollars. There's know, like, no you way. Have to send something back. So like, 
for, for to do that deal with Orlando, they would have to send back like Evan Fournier or Bismarck Bayambo. And then like you're just swapping bad contracts for another bad contract. I mean, obviously Fournier is a huge upgrade from, from Parsons, but like for Orlando, is that you take on basically dead weight in Parsons, you give up a starter, a pretty good starter in Fournier, just to move up two spots. Like to me, that doesn't really seem worth it for either side. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, well, it's worth it. The Fournier one, I think is absolutely worth it from the Grizzlies side. I just don't, I think Orlando would just laugh and hang up. I mean, the, the, if don't is gone, then I honestly don't even see a huge difference between four and six. Like all those guys are just very similar to me. And it's kind of, I'm sure certain teams have like Bagley way ahead of Bamba or Bamba way ahead of Bagley and Carter and like, I'm sure there are, there are gaps on certain boards, but I just think kind of a, a consensus. There's there's no real consensus among those guys between four and six. So I just don't I don't see how you could trade a guy like Parsons and get a guy like Fournier back in a deal like that. So uh, I think yeah, they're going to have to. That's a ridiculous deal. Yeah, I know. Like in the story, it's it's worded like if Orlando's willing to include Evan Fournier and then like a <laughs> oh. like instead oh. they prefer to give up this back by Did... like, what what. Did the really? Grizzlies write that article? Because like, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like they're just like proposing <laughs> trades. Like, I, I don't know. Um, uh, that's funny. All right. Yeah, we'll see. I, like you said, I agree with you. I think if they're going to move down, it's like it's just not worth it for a team like Chicago or, you know, the Knicks or Orlando. Like, teams like that just to move up a couple spots. Like you said, especially if Dodgers is off the board, like, who are you even moving up for? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think they could get off the Parsons deal with this pick. They just shouldn't yeah. expect to get much of an asset back. Yep. Um, so, okay, we have we have them. If they keep the pick, we have them taking Bagley. So, Aiton, Doncic, mm-hmm. Jackson, Bagley, all off the board. Dallas is picking at five. Who you got? Five becomes easy. And this this yes. is almost, this has kind of been the projection for like four months now. Uh, and even as Mo Bamba's stock, I think, has risen, his, his positioning in mock drafts hasn't really risen. Um, I think Dallas takes him at five and should feel really, really, really good about it. Um, I mean, it's really, you don't really don't see anyone else projected there right now because it makes so much sense, which almost leads me to believe that it makes too much sense and they might not do it. Um, I know like Michael Porter has kind of gotten some consideration there. Uh, he's kind of the only other guy. I mean, I guess Wendell Carter, if they love him for whatever reason. Um, I think, I think in this scenario, it's between Bamba and Porter. Um, and we'll, we'll give the Mavs the benefit of the doubt too and say they go Bamba. Yep. That's what I have. I mean, it's, it's a really nice basketball fit. Uh, they kind of have to, they have to be shooting for, for upside with this pick. I don't, I mean, I think Wendell Carter could end up being better than Bamba, but that would mean that Bamba was kind of a bust. Uh, and yes, exactly. I don't think Wendell Carter just become like, I don't think they're both all-stars and Carter's better. Right. Like you said, if Carter's better, that means Bamba's just not good. Yeah. And the, the Mavs don't need kind of a floor guy here. They need to try to hope that Dennis Smith still turns into kind of a, a borderline all-star and then hope that whoever they get at five also turns into an all-star. So, um, yeah, I think, I think five is a pretty easy one. Uh, so number six, this is where, this is where I really blew up my mock. Uh, but before I give away the goods on that, what, what do you think happens at six? If, if we're right, one through five, um, I mean, we clown Orlando as much as any team, and it's looking increasingly like now they've decided between Trey Young, Colin Sexton, and, and Shai Gilgis-Alexander. Um, 
If I were them, I think I would go Wendell Carter. I think six is a little high for all three of those point guards. Um, but at the same time, there, I would venture to say that maybe outside of some of those Sixers teams uh, that were intentionally trying to lose, like Orlando's backcourt right now is, is like as bad as we've seen. Like they really, their point guard right now is Sheldon Mack, mm-hmm. I believe. So it's like. <laughs> You're, we're to the point in the draft, like I feel like six is still a little, in this type of draft, it's still a little too high to be drafting for Zed. Um, but all indications are that point, at, at this point, is that that's pretty much what Orlando's going to do. Um, I think ideally they could probably trade back a couple spots and maybe get one of those guys. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, I, I, I would hope that if they take one of those three, it's, it's shy. Um, I just, six is just a little high me on him you know like i i don't i don't know that there's much of a risk that he would go to the bulls at seven or the Cavs. i don't like him but that it's a little more plausible i guess uh but all this is to say um it's the Orlando magic for the taking trey young you're you're predicting trey young i'm predicting trey young all right nice i like it um yeah i so i have him taking shay uh gilgis alexander I just think that the, I just think that this is like such a John Hammond pick. Like he's mm-hmm. he's such a John Hammond type of prospect. Uh and I think like I think the Magic are at least you know, they're they're smart enough to sort of see where you know the NBA is at right now and you know his his length on the perimeter and theoretical switchability I think should appeal to them uh mm-hmm. I don't I mean it wouldn't shock me if he ended up being better than Wendell Carter uh I mean it wouldn't shock me if he ended up being a top five player from this draft I mean a lot of it's just going to hinge on how well he shoots it from NBA three right uh but I mean we, we've seen plenty of guys come in and kind of add that to their game as like second year players third year players you know, what, what really stands out to me about him is just how impressed I was by like that. We're going to, we can look back on that Kentucky team and it was just a complete, uh, just utter train wreck of kind of roster construction. Yet he was still able to kind of emerge from the ashes and become a, like the leader of that team, the best player on that team. Like that's, that's pretty hard for a freshman like he wasn't even like thought of as their like point guard really. Like I mean he he eventually no. became that, but like he just kind of I mean it would be like kind of growing up in like a foster home and then going on to like win the Nobel Prize or something like that. I mean he just had everything <laughs> like everything going against him really and just no yeah. no good players that knew how to play basketball around him at all and still managed to be this awesome freshman right. college point guard. I think that that's a pretty big mark in his favor. Um, he obviously. You know, it was a bold. Re- go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, I if he say it was a bold recruiting strategy by by Cal to just recruit like slow centers and <laughs> point guards you can't shoot, uh, and then Kevin Knox, I guess too. And turns out it it didn't work all that well. It, that was just a disaster of a team. Um, he's ha- he's had a few of those teams recently. Yeah. Like the, the like you said, the roster construction has been has, uh, nothing short of bizarre. Has has he ever recruited specifically like with fit and need in mind? Has he ever even no, put I, one minute of thought into like how are these guys gonna play together? Yeah, 
he recruits like I recruited on NCAA Hoops 2K8, uh, which features <laughs> Greg Oden on the cover. And that was just sort by number of stars. And if you end up signing seven five-star point guards, so be it. you got to get that number one recruiting class. Right. And, right. yeah, I think Cal's kind of taken that into real basketball. Um, okay, before we move on to seven quick, uh, I just refreshed uh, ESPN's mock draft. And it looks like Gavoni just updated it like 10 minutes ago. And now Bagley is to the Kings at two. That's where Doncic was. Uh, and then Doncic is now to Atlanta at three. So if you believe someone like Gavoni, who's as, you know, as plugged in as anyone, probably by a pretty good margin, it looks like Bagley has now switched back to the favorite in Sacramento. We'll see. Um, and he also notes, you know, in, in Doncic's write-up that, that he's the favorite of ownership in Atlanta. So I think you're right to say earlier that if, if Doncic is there at three, I think Atlanta will take some calls, but I, I also don't think they would have any issues just taking Doncic there. You know, I mean, they Gavoni had a great mock draft last year. I think they went like twelve for twelve or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I I trust him, uh, but I also I don't ah, man, I don't know. I mean, I you could obviously nobody's going to be surprised. I don't think anyone should be surprised if it's Doncic or Bagley at two. I just think that. Mm-hmm. Um. I would almost feel a little bad projecting them to make such a such a horrific pick. Uh, so I'm going to give them a bit of a benefit of the doubt, but I don't have Gavoni's uh, inside sources, obviously. So back to our specific mocks. Um, you have Trey Young going six. I have Shai Gilgis Alexander going six. Who do you have going mm-hmm. seven? Wendell Carter. Um I would like the Bulls to take Michael Porter. I think that's the most fun scenario. Um, I, I really like him. I know we have the, the tape is very limited, obviously, college tape on Michael Porter. But I think my, the first mock that I did, like, before the NCAA tournament or whatever that was, I think I had Carter going to the Bulls. And it just seems like a really good fit. I mean, I, you know, they, they have, I think Robin Lopez has one more year on his deal. You know, they probably don't bring him back after that. I wouldn't imagine he doesn't really fit with the rest of that core. Um, but you're going forward with Wendell Carter, Lloyd Martin, and Zach Levine, Chris Dunn as your top four. I mean, I get none of those guys are like blue chip A plus assets necessarily, uh, but that's a really, really solid four. And even if you don't want to keep all those four guys long term, you know, you can look to make moves with them. Uh, and I think Carter just he just slots right in. You know, you don't like I said, you don't necessarily want to be picking for need uh, at any point. You know, this high in the draft, but. I don't really think this would be a need pick. I think it just happens to kind of be a position that they were a little light at last year. Um, and, I, and I think Carter is as ready as anybody to step in and, you know, maybe not start over Lopez next year, but, you know, kind of fill like the Taj Gibson role from a couple of years ago. And, and I think, you know, he could end up being just like a much better version of Taj Gibson long-term. Yep. I have them taking Carter as well. I think that this is probably, uh, this is, I mean, it's, it's a need pick and a, best player available type of pick i mean maybe Mm -hmm. maybe carter's not considered everyone's best player available here but he's got to be like top two or three and and he's just such a better fit to me than than porter would be uh if you i mean if you have michael porter larry markinen and zach levine out there i mean you're you're literally not going to guard anyone so well you might score too many points yeah (laughs) right right i mean that transition defense would be pretty funny um right no, so, I think that's something that hasn't been talked about with Porter. Is like I don't think he's going to defend like at all at the beginning. 
Like, no. be, down, I mean, down the road, maybe, like, he should be a decent defender. But, like, I think he's going to be a horrible defender from the start. No, I, I, zero, zero chance he ever defends anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm going to okay. say that right here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, right. I mean, Wendell right. Carter, Wendell Carter next to, to Laurie's a, a really nice front court. I mean, because yeah. it's, exactly. it's a, it's like a modern front court and kind of an old school because you have, you have the length, you have the shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter can sort of protect the rim. Um, I mean, I I would love that as a pick for them, uh, and I'm I'm starting to like Gar Packs have kind of made good decisions lately, and I I think they kind of keep that train rolling here, which is you know, yeah weird I know to it's say. bizarre. It's like they've I'm very hesitant to give them credit. And I think Gold fans have kind of felt the same way, but it's like I mean the way that everything has worked out basically since the Jimmy Butler trade, um, I think they're back. All right, so number eight. The Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to go first just because okay. y- you've already mocked Shot this value. guy. Uh, I have yeah. them. I have them taking Trey Young because I just think that like you really couldn't have a better player to take. You know, like this is you know. I assume LeBron's gone. I don't even think that that factors in really. Uh, so I think that th- this is a pick for we're moving on from the LeBron era. And Trey Young's going to put people in the seats. We have just terrible players all around him, so he gets to play as much as he wants, shoot as much as he wants. Um, it's just a it's a perfect landing spot for Trey Young because that means uh, the Cavs will be pretty bad for the next several years, so they'll get to make some more picks kind of in this range. Uh, just seems like a, a no brainer, assuming that they know LeBron is gone. Yeah, I mean the. The way that the NBA calendar works out, it's like they just kind of have to operate as if he's as if he's gone. I mean, they can kind of choose their own path, I guess. Like they can, if they want to tell themselves, we're picking the guy who's going to help LeBron next season. Like, sure, you know, that's that's the mindset they can go in with if they want. But they, you know, they're not really in control. LeBron is still in control. LeBron's not going to give them, you know, any sort of answer for probably another week or so. So I think they're they're kind of under the gun and just have to go with with the best player available. Um, I mean, there is, if, if they really want to start looking ahead and it's like, you know, you could target a player that you think in theory, other teams would maybe want to trade for, you know, in some sort of, you know, deal to get LeBron some help, um, you know, to try to entice him to stick around again, to me, that's all really risky and it kind of goes against what the Cavs have done over the past year, which is basically operate independently from LeBron uh, since Kobe Altman took over. And, you know, I, that, that didn't necessarily work out with the Boston deal. Um, but that's also, you know, its own kind of unique situation with how that, that turned out with Kyrie. Um, but anyway, I think, you know, from what you read, the Cavs seem to be deciding between Trey Young, Shaggy Alexander, Michael Porter at number eight. I think if Porter's there, he'll be the guy. I think the other two are kind of their backup option. Uh, Gilgis Alexander seems to be gaining a little bit of steam there. Um, but, you know, obviously in your mock, he's off the board. Um, and Young is off the board at nine, so I think that by default, you know, that kind of becomes Michael Porter at eight. If I'm the Cavs, I'm fine with that. You know, you're getting a guy who a year ago was the projected number one or number two pick. Um, and obviously, that doesn't mean all that much, but talent-wise, coming out of high school, I mean, this guy was one of the better, like, all-around polished scorers on the wing that we've seen in a long time. Um, and he didn't really get get a chance to to remind anybody about that at Missouri. So it's, I mean, a big-time gamble. Um, and certainly a pick that the Cavs would not be, you know, would not be apt to, to screw this up, especially if LeBron leaves. 
Um, but at the same time, I think they got to be happy. When I mean, you get a guy with that upside at number eight, you know, I think they were probably disappointed where that Nets pick ended up falling. Um, you know, this time last year, we're thinking top three, top four, ends up at eight. To still get Porter to me would be a, a victory for the Cavs. Do you think the front office kind of has their own board and then Dan Gilbert's private jet lands and he gets the limo limo to the office and then pokes his head in the room and says, we're taking that kid from Oklahoma. I think he'll be in New York and will actually intercept the envelope on his way to the podium. (laughs) Like, Oh, Trey Young's still on the board. All right. That's who we got. Yes. Everyone everyone can go home. (laughs) Adam Silver will be like squinting at it to like somebody scribbled something out here. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably exactly how it's going to go. All right, so the Knicks at nine. Uh, so I have them taking Michael Porter. Um, he's got on yours, obviously. And so who do you have them taking? Kevin Knox makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, you know, he's kind of the guy that's risen a little bit there. I Porter would be great. I mean, Porter, that's the same story basically for the Knicks as it is the Cavs. Like, if you can get someone with that upside at eight or nine, I think you, you just take that and run with it. So I think I think if Porter's there in your scenario, that's absolutely the pick. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think they got to give Gilgis Alexander a look. You know, it seems like if he doesn't go six to Orlando, doesn't go eight, you know, then it's for sure either, you know, nine. Um, and then he probably doesn't make it past 11, Charlotte, because, you know, they really need a point guard. Um, so, like, for the Knicks, I think it's between Knox, Gildas Alexander, and Sexton in, in my scenario. Um, and, like, like I said, I think Knox seems to be the leader right now. I think the Knicks would also take calls on this pick if it comes down to it. Um, let's go Colin Sexton. He'd be a fun Nick. Oh, you're going, you're going Sexton. All right. Um, going Sexton. I mean, I – Look at the defensive backcourt. <laughs> Hey, nobody wants to play that backcourt. Uh, Michael... I'll take Javon Carter. Who knows? <laughs> um, the, the, the Michael Porter pick in my mock, I just love it because he's kind of on the same timetable as Kristaps in terms of getting healthy. Mm-hmm. So it just <laughs> it just works. It like they uh... they'll just be horrific next year. Uh, Porter and Porzingis will be getting healthy, and then they take the league by storm uh, the following season. So I think that that I, you know you and I have you and I have had this conversation. But I, I was talking to a, a Knicks fan, uh, one of my one of my buddy's friends last night. We were just talking about the draft, and he's a big Knicks guy. And he he basically said the same thing that that you and I have said about the Knicks. It was like the, the lack of foresight with them when it comes to free agency, specifically LeBron free agency has just been completely astounding the positions that they've been in in 2010, 2014, and now 2018. Yeah. Like, this might be this might be the worst position they've been in of the three, and that's going oh, to yeah. Oh, yeah. They, outside of Porzingis, you have, like, no good assets on that team. Right. I mean, this one, it the the whole league has just done a, a terrible job of being prepared for this LeBron free agency. Like, there are very, very yeah. few teams that have been able to, you know, A, put together at a – appealing roster to him in a city where he'd want to play in and then also have the, the cap space available. Like it's just yep. embarrassing. And the Knicks, the Knicks would have maybe had the lowest bar of all 30 teams yep. in terms of what it would have taken for him to choose them, you right. know? So, uh, yeah, it's right. I agree. And they're not even, 
they're not even one of those teams that you're like, oh, they could clear space if they had to. It's like, no, the contracts and the players <laughs> that they have under those contracts are like unbelievable. Like they, they just they can't yeah. do it. It's, I mean, it's the, unbelievable. Even if you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to go down this a uh, Knicks bashing. We yeah, have, we, we'll be, be here all day. Separate but, like four part yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so Philly at ten. I have I have McCall Bridges. This is kind of like the Wendell Carter thing, where it's like I've had Bridges there. Everybody's had Bridges there. It makes so much sense. You know, they're going to probably let Reddick and Bellinelli walk. Bridges basically comes in at low cost and fills that role. Um, so that's what I'm going to go with. I mean, you know, past past history, I guess, would suggest that it probably won't be all that simple. Um, and especially like if Gilgis Alexander's on the board at 10, I think teams will definitely want to move up to try to grab him. Um, or, you know, or if Michael Porter slides or Trey Young slides or whoever, you know, Philly is not in a position where they like have to make this pick. And like, I don't think it'd be crazy for them to move back or pick up a different asset. Um, but assuming they keep it, I think it's Bridges. Yeah. I, uh, I had them taking Bridges for a while and I changed it to Kevin Knox. I think that, mm-hmm. I think Bridges would be the better pick there. I just sort of, you know, it seems a little too obvious and, the fact that they, I think they had Knox in for a second workout. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, when whenever the coach is kind of calling the shots, I would lean to taking the veteran. Like, I, I would lean to taking the guy that is going to be easiest for him to coach, and that would be Bridges. But I also mm-hmm. just kind of get this sense that maybe, maybe they're just kind of still sort of shooting for the moon a little bit there. Um, I mean, I, I think... Either of those picks at ten is is a good pick. Uh, mm-hmm. Bridges is obviously more ready, but I do think he's getting a little like Knox could just be a complete bust. Like, it, it, would it shock you at all yeah. if, if Knox was just literally a nothing in the NBA? Like, he was never even a guy that could get to like ten points per game or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the. Like I could see him be having like a Jeff Green career, if that's what you mean. Like that type, like a guy, a guy, like he's so athletic and long. And, you know, his, his body is just going to be. A, he has like a perfect NBA body to the point where I don't, I don't see him like washing out of the league in three years. I think he'll be around. I, I think it's very possible that he won't ever be a star. Um, yeah, maybe so I'm selling him a little. Like, low. I mean, he was I... a football. He was a football guy first. Like I, I don't know. I think, I think he'll be. Like I like Kevin. Like if there were me and you're drafting for upside. It's not over bridges, no question. Um, but it all depends. Like if Philly's, if Philly thinks they can position themselves to make a title run next year, I think you probably want Bridges on the team. Um, but if you're looking, if you're looking more two, three, four years down the road, then maybe you go knock. Yeah, I mean he's got the tools and he's got the age on his side. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I don't think there are any uh, basketball instincts there i just think he's of all of all the guys we've talked about i think he makes the worst decisions on the court and not necessarily a guy that i would want in uh on a team that's trying to compete like the sixers are but i just think that he's probably one of those guys that can put on a crazy good workout and yeah oh yeah uh, can really impress people in an empty gym so um Mm -hmm. that's now 11 11 yeah. is a pick that we were texting about earlier and I you know I originally actually had Knox at 11 but 
I came to the conclusion after you came to this conclusion for me first that there's just a perfect Hornet sitting right there at 11 for them to take, and that, that perfect Hornet is Miles Bridges. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I think I, Bridges has kind of slipped a little bit in the, in the, you know, the common scope of things. Like he's kind of more in like the 14, 15 range now. Um, but I mean, this is the team that, you know, took Malik Monk last year, to be fair, that was considered like one of the steals of the draft at the time. Um, this is a team that declined what, like four first rounders to take Frank Kaminsky a few years ago. Um, so everything is really on the table for the Hornets. I, I have them taking Gilgis Alexander just because that's like the smart pick and like kind of an obvious pick for them if he's there at 11. Um, but as we've discussed, I mean, there's a pretty good chance that Gilgis Alexander might not be there. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe Sexton gets considered, but I certainly think Miles Bridges is in play. Um, you know, Michael Jordan is in charge. Like I, I told you when we were texting, like I, Miles Bridges just seems like someone who would wear Jordans. Um, kind of some like mellowy type of like higher top Jordan. So I think, I think that plays a lot into my decision <laughs> that, you know, he'd be a good fit there. I just like, they, they more so than almost any other team have not really earned the benefit of the doubt to take the right guy. At all. No, no. <laughs> and you've heard that rumor, right? That Steve Clifford was banging the table for Donovan Mitchell and Jordan overruled yep. him and took Monk. So the, yep. my question is, does that like does being that wrong about a guy dissuade Jordan from being as hands on in this draft process, or does it just empower him to try to make up for last year's mistake? Uh, well, it's Michael Jordan, so I think it's uh, probably the latter. I don't, I don't think he'll just back down. That's not really what. That's, he's not in the business of backing down. This is the guy who's like just just fired a GM what like three months ago. I really, really wish that. Adam Silver would just step in and like force him to sell the team because his own his his uh his track record as a hands-on owner is maybe the worst like it's like up there with James Dolan like I mean he yeah. he's just got such a horrific track record of basketball decisions and at a certain point we're just going to have to you know, start lambasting him on the podcast and stuff. And I'd, I'd rather not yep. do that. I'd rather him just be out of the mix so that, um, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd be up for that. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, all right. So you have him taking shy. All right. We have the two Clippers picks here and I had kind of a more outlandish two picks here at 12 and 13 until I decided to move Miles Bridges into the lottery. I, I originally had him on the outside looking in, uh, but moving him in forced me to move McCall Bridges down. I have McCall Bridges going 12 and then big upset, the big upset of the lottery. Uh, I have the Clippers taking Kevin Herter at 13. Oh my. Okay, so teams teams see him as the next Clay Thompson and don't want to miss out on that. I I can I can understand that. Uh, we should know Kevin Herter has a broken hand, so he's not playing summer league or anything like that. I don't think I don't think that's going to matter to teams at all. I don't I don't know how that's affected his workout process really, but it seems like it hasn't all that much. Uh, I kind of like that. I mean, they can they can afford to play around a little bit with back to back picks like that. Um, I mean, in my in my situation where Kevin Knox is still on the board, obviously I have to I have to throw him there at twelve. 
Um, I can't imagine the Clippers would pass on him twice if he's there. Um, but yeah, 13, I mean, like Jerome Robinson, Boston College, who uh, I don't know if I can remember a player rising this quickly this late. You know, like no one was talking about Jerome Robinson like two weeks ago even, or even like eight weeks ago. And then all of a sudden now he's like, you know, yesterday he he missed media day because he was working out last second for the Wizards who have the 15th pick. Um, you know, like it seems like teams, you know, kind of like half-heartedly scouted him. And then, you know, a week or two before the draft and now realize that all of a sudden, you know, he's a first round pick and See, he's invited to the green room. So the NBA thinks he'll be one of the top 20 guys selected. And then, you know, if you look at mock drafts, he's anywhere from like 12 to 16 in a lot of those. So I, I had Robinson going uh, 13 and Herder going 12 before I switched things up. I, I think, Mm-hmm. See, my read on it's a little different. I think that NBA teams have probably all always been um, pretty high on him, and he's been in a lot of their top twenties like this whole time. And then the kind of outlets like ESPN are finally starting to wrote a wire, yeah, like like <laughs> that the media is finally starting to realize that he's in this range yeah. but he's probably been in this range for a while for a lot of teams and and he he's uh you know he's skilled and he's he's very unique in this class if you know once Gilgis Alexander Trey Young are off the board uh you know Sexton I guess too a little bit but I mean Robinson has that size and the ability to shoot as a wing that mm-hmm. I think is going to appeal to a lot of teams I just don't think you know, he was not a good distributor in college and a pretty poor defender in college. So, uh, I don't, I, I, I get it. I definitely get it in this sort of like 12 to 18 range, just based on who's there. Like, I, I think I'd rather take him than, um, Robert Williams or Zaire Smith or someone like that. But, uh, I definitely think that there is a chance that he's just kind of like Austin Rivers 2.0. I mean, maybe that's what the Clippers want. <laughs> they're trying to stockpile as many as many Austin Rivers yeah, type of players as they can. Yeah, that's good scenario. Austin Rivers. Um, okay, let's uh, let's just move into like the back half. We don't have to go pick by pick in the first round. Did you go all 30 picks? No, I just, I, the only other pick I mocked was 14. Okay. Okay. So who did you have there? Uh, Denver. I, I had Sexton going there. Okay. And that's, I mean, Denver is in a, a spot where I think you're just adding best player available, right? Like you might, Wilson Chandler has an option. There's a pretty good chance you're going to lose Will Barton. So like for them, like Miles Bridges or like, I don't think Knox will be there, but if Knox is there at 14, that's like the dream. Um, but I, I think they'll give Jerome Robinson some consideration. Like they just need depth all over, you know, like they, how many more years of like bringing in Jameer Nelson to back up that point guard. Can you do like, they just, they need depth at power forward. They need depth on the wing. They need depth at guard with picking up 14. Like that's kind of a good place to be honestly, because you're going to get depth at one of those spots there. And I, I think Sexton would be a great fit there. Uh, because they, like you said, they are going to, um, lose Will Barton in all likelihood. And, Sexton would kind of come in as that third guard and you know it the the only way I see him ever being a top 15 point guard is if he uh puts the work in on the defensive end Mm -hmm. and Mike Malone can kind of just say hey like 
Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, they're going to play. And your only chance of getting those minutes is if you prove that you're the best defender of the three. And, you know, yep. he, and I think that that would be, and, you know, worst case scenario, he's just kind of like a instant offense guy off the bench and he can, you know, run a second unit. But if he's able to D up and, you know, knock down threes at a decent clip, he could be good. I just, I don't know if he's going to do either of those things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he could almost be instant defense off the bench if there is such a thing, um, which is a nice counter to Jamal Murray. You know, like if he can become, like it's not crazy to think like he could become a, a better Patrick Beverly. I guess that's pretty damn good value. You know, I don't know what, if was Patrick Beverly even drafted, but he, he was a second rounder, I think. <laughs> like if you redid whatever draft he was in, he probably goes around, you know, he's definitely in the top 14. So like getting that kind of value there would be, would be pretty huge. So- um let's just go through like well let's let's just do let's just do our our three like my guys that are not projected it has to be someone that we didn't mock in the lottery so we just can pick three guys like three guys that we think are going to go outside the lottery but we think are going to be really really solid nba players Mm -hmm. well herder is one of them for me uh we don't have to talk too much about him we kind of already did I i just think his floor is pretty high i mean you know he's take one look at him and you can say his ceiling's probably not all that high either but um like he's a guy like you know i watched him play at maryland and i was like i was surprised when he measured in at six seven like he didn't didn't look that big to me um but that's big i mean being able to be a legit shooting guard at that height um i mean he's only he's not even 20 years old yet um you know and it's just like the way that you watch any nba game now like a player like that who in theory can just catch and shoot from anywhere um, even if he can't do like a ton, uh, otherwise, but, you know, and Herder can do a little bit more than that. You know, he's not just going to be like a little, a smaller Ryan Anderson or anything like that. Um, getting that kind of value at what's in my mind, very little risk, you know, in the, in the back 15 is pretty good. Um, I, Robert Williams, I, I don't hate, like if he's one of those guys that if he just like accepts the correct role, He'll be like a really, really good value. You know, yeah. he's kind of projected now back in like the 16 to 22 range, whereas a month ago it was more like 10 to 15. Um, I think he's going to be really good in the right spot. Um, let's see. I need, I need one more, don't I? I mean, you know, you know how I feel about Javon Carter. I'm not, I don't think he's actually going to be good <laughs> in the NBA or above, you know, above like average at absolute best. But I, you know, he was one of my favorite college players. He was awesome at the combine. Um, and he's also almost 23. So got to be one of the like three oldest players in the draft, which is not ideal. Um, who are your, who are your three guys? Uh, well, obviously, uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, I think he's, yep. I think he's going to be one of the 15 best players from this draft. Probably not going to go top 15, but I, I just think he's going to have. Do you, do you think he's on a collision course with the Bucks? I don't think asking me that. I don't think they're smart enough to take him. Um but I think he might be there. I just don't I don't think that they I think they're going to take someone that I am just going to like look down and shake my head after the pick. Uh but Is I, that Dyer Smith? <laughs> no, I mean I <laughs> uh I don't know. I don't know who they're going to take. I mean Zaire Smith would be fine. I mean he's kind of high risk high reward that you don't typically yeah. find in that range uh do though i just i think he's at worst gonna be a really really competent third guard and yeah 
and like he I think he's got the measurements and the athleticism to guard both positions uh he's gonna shoot it really well uh my my next two guys are very very similar in that I just think they're kind of tailor-made for uh today's game and that's Josh Akogi and Melvin Frazier I think that they are just guys that are going to be able to defend multiple positions, guys that tested really well at the combine. Uh, I think they're going to be three and D guys. And it's just, you know, those types of guys where I, where I'm seeing those guys getting mocked kind of like late first round. Sometimes Melvin Frazier isn't Mm -hmm. even mocked in the first round. To me, that's just a, a huge mistake when you look at, uh, the types of guys that typically bust in the back half of the first round and the types of guys that make mm-hmm. it, it like the guys that make it are the guys that can shoot a little bit and defend and switch. And I think that those two guys can, yep. can do both of those things. Yeah. Um, okay. A few other random notes before we hang this up. Costas uh, on Tedekupo continues to uh, hold steady and like the bottom five picks in a lot of mocks. <laughs> I know ESPN moved him up, moved him up from like 59 to 55 the other day. Um, I think he's going to get drafted. He shut down all of his workouts a couple of days ago. So it would seem <laughs> that some random team is like, we're either, you know, either it's a team in the bottom 10 or it's a team that thinks they can trade into the bottom 10 and is going to take him. Um, or he's already got a promise, you know, as an undrafted player. Uh, one guy I did forget to mention, Raleigh Alkins. I, I think Raleigh Alkins is going to be good if he's in the right spot. Um, the few times that we've seen him in person, he hasn't really put on the show that, that we would have liked. Whoa, uh, whoa. I, I really think... 2017, look, I was, 2017 draft combine? I believe you were there. I, he was hurt. Didn't he only play one day? Didn't he hurt his hand? Yeah, but... He played that, too hard. That one day, that one day he played. Yeah. 2017 draft combine. I mean, that was, that was something else. It was. That was the... I mean, we were joking like he might be the combine's all-time leading scorer if he didn't if he didn't get hurt on day on day two for that thing. Um, but no, I like him a lot. We've talked about him extensively. Gary Trent was somebody that I talked about after the combine. Like the measurables aren't all that good. He's not all that athletic, but like he just shoots the lights out and was really overshadowed on that Duke team. And I think you know he's going to go somewhere in the second round, and I think he'll be a rotation player wherever he ends up. You know, maybe not a top seven, six or seven guy right away. But like, to me, it's really, it's really hard for me to not see him just becoming, you know, I think Wayne Ellington is the comp that I've used before. Just like, you know, you can be that guy, you know, he'll, he'll be an average defender who just hits open spot up threes and can play, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a night, you know, for the next like 10 years. I think, I think he'll be fine there. And you're, you know, if you're getting that value with like the 45th pick, then I think you're good with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a, I'm glad that you went with that comp on him and not a loftier one. But I mean, if yeah, I was going to say Gary Harris at first. But no, I don't, I don't no, think no, we'll no, get there. no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, um, Ellington's last fine. thing, Kevin, o- Kevin O'Connor. Uh, this is from an article he wrote on the ringer this morning. He says, quote, the bucks are pursuing trade using the number 17 pick to dump point guard, Matthew Delvatova. Very, very generous calling him a point guard. <laughs> who has two years and 19.2 million remaining on his contract. Milwaukee, however, is only looking to trade down in the draft, not to use a deal as an outright salary dump. I mean, this isn't shocking at all. Um, I guess it's a little bit more concrete to see it in writing. Um, but obviously I think anybody 
who knows the salary cap, knows if the Bucks should have and probably have been trying to move Matthew Delvezova. Um, you know, I mean, I don't. No team is trying to get Delhi, right? I don't, I don't think anybody would want him like the player. Um, but this is the spot, like where, like you said, if Steven Senzo's there at 17 and the Bucks don't love him, and someone else who's picking, I don't know, let's say the Celtics at 27, like love Divincenzo. You know, I don't know, I don't know how that would work logistically, but if they want to trade up, maybe that's the type of situation where you see, you know, the Bucks trade 10 picks back but get off the Delvadova money. I don't know. I don't know. That's another situation where it's like, what are you going to do with that money? You know, if the Bucks, <laughs> if you're not spending it on Delhi, who are you spending it on? Oh, I'm sure they can find a guy who's value is about to take a, a steep decline and, and yeah. lock him up. Like, for, let's go get Marvin Williams. Like, like maybe they sign Danny White Green. Howard? Like, I'm thinking they sign Danny Green, and then as soon as he gets to Milwaukee, it's clear that he's just washed up, and um, mm-hmm. then they'll have a new bad contract that they can try to dump. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense to try to clear some space. I I don't know. I mean – they know what their options are better than I do. I just I hope that they're not um, pursuing a large deal with Jabari Parker, but uh, I guess we won't know that until until later on. I mean that this is a good draft to trade down from if you're in that yeah like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen to like forty range because I I think. You know, the guys, I mean, DiVincenzo is probably going to go in the top 25, but like Melvin Frazier, I think could go anywhere from 18 to like 38. So if you Mm -hmm. have a few guys like that, that you like, then maybe trading from like 17 down into the second round makes sense if it helps you clear some space. Mm -hmm. But I wrote this stupid site the other day is that like, this is such a weird draft in terms of how the like the positions are distributed. Like this is a, like a historically good, potentially um, big band draft at the top. You know, you have what, Aiton, Bagley, um, Jackson, Bamba, Carter, all these guys. Uh, but then outside of that, it's, it's just like guards and wings. Basically. Like, it's very hard to find more true big men. Like you look at like Robert Williams will probably go in, in round one. And then other than that, like there might not be another big man who goes in the first round. Like five of the top seven picks might be big men, one of the next 23. And then even in round two, it's like Mo Wagner, Mitchell Robinson, Omari Spellman, like, you know, maybe one or two other guys that you'll see in most mocks. But other than that, it's just a bunch of, a bunch of guards and a bunch of like switchy wings, like the guys that you mentioned, like the Melvin Frazier's of the world, the, you know, Jacob Evans from Cincinnati, um, Anthony you know, Melton, Jared Vanderbilt from Kentucky, yeah, those type of guys. Justin Jackson from Maryland, like you know. So that leads me to believe that, like, if a team does really want a big man for whatever reason, we might see reaches just because, like, there just aren't that many big men. You know, like, you might be able to get Mitch if you really like Mitchell Robinson for whatever reason. He might be on the board at forty-five, um, but you know, if you're if you also have a pick at like twenty-eight or twenty-nine, like you might just take him there because you know, like that either that or you're picking between just, you know, one of these infinite wings. And if you want to get big men, you're going to kind of have to get them at a premium. I think. I mean, that might be one way to read it. My, my read on it is that like no team wants big men. Like like every team already has like two or three mediocre big men in tow. I mean, look at last year's draft. Like the guys, 
I think it la- it was only a year ago, and yet the league took like fifteen centers in from picks yeah. like fourteen to forty, like guys like Justin Patton and like th- those types of guys that where it's like you could watch them on video and it's like oh he's athletic and all that type of stuff but then just if yeah. you if you think about the nba game it's like well how do we ever play justin pat right like where's justin pat tony bradley play? yeah tony bradley so sometimes Rad. sometimes you get clint capella or rudy gobert in that range of the draft but 90 95 percent of the time you're just getting yeah. uh, a filler guy yeah no that's fair um okay anything else you want to bring up no, man, I'm just, I'm excited. We're getting close. Me too. Yeah, about, we're about four and a half hours from actually getting the first pick, I think. So we'll uh, get this posted as quickly as you can, and, you know, hopefully everybody can get a listen in before draft night. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.